Welcome to worship at Hollywood United Methodist Church on this third Sunday of Lent. Here in Los Angeles, we also know it as Marathon Sunday. So we're grateful to see all of you who are here in person and those of you who are joining with us in worship online. Let us now join our hearts with Pastor Bridie as she leads us in our Lenten Candle Liturgy. As we continue our look at what it means to release oppressive expectations about perfection in our lives and in our faith, this week we turn to a harmful idea that has a prescription for our fear, that the prescription of fear for our failure is to simply work harder. As the book Good Enough reminds us, we might feel we are climbing an endless staircase of achievement for high grades or success in caregiving, work, or social pressure. This Lent, we are taking some time to stop climbing ladders and staircases, to tend to our souls slowly and lovingly, tilling the soil and fertilizer and embracing our holy, good enough lives. What in our lives do we dream about for tomorrow, void of sorrow, time spent regretting decisions of our yesterdays, mistakes we made. Sometimes, sometimes we get what we get. Life disappoints us, and yet, God is still here, and somehow this faith is good enough.
Ms. April, what do you got there? Yeah. Oh, I've been doing some hard work. I came in early. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed uh, last week some things had kind of outgrown where they were, so I did some repotting. Oh, that's right. Watered this, everything. This plant, remember, it had all those roots that yeah, were down to yeah. the bottom, and you repotted it in this much yeah. bigger plant. Yeah, so just smell it. That's great. That, oh. Yeah. That's you know awful. what I used? I used fertilizer. Really? Yeah. It's you know where smell. fertilizer comes from? It comes from... I don't know. Uh, probably. Yeah, we're in church. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't smell great, but it makes the flowers grow. So something kind of gross yeah. turns into something kind of beautiful. Yeah, that's exactly you know, it. You know what else is really gross? Uh, like cough syrup. Ugh, Have you ever, like, cough worst. syrup is really, really bad. Yeah. But yet, it helps your cough. Yeah. It, you feel better afterwards. Vita chewable vitamins, some chewable yeah. vitamins, they shouldn't be chewable. Yeah. Because they're gross. Yeah. My son hates taking vitamins, but yeah. vitamins, you need them. They help you. Yeah. They give you everything that you need. Yeah, and chores around the house. Mine is dishes, not my favorite, yet I know that there's things that I need to do. And, and something really I've good. also been practicing during Len is saying I'm sorry. Uh, so Annalie, my niece, you all have probably seen her if you've followed us both in person and virtually. Um, I admit that I made a mistake. And she remembers that. <laughs> and the next morning she came up and she goes, Bubble, that's what she calls me, you made a cake. I was like, I made a cake? She was like, you got mad. And I was like, oh, I made a mistake. <laughs> that's yeah, beautiful. so, so that's pretty hard, too. Good things come from really some hard things. Yeah. And so, you know, good things can come from this. So I planted it. We're ready to go. All right. So let's one, watch two, it three, grow. I think, I think they should change. I know. I mean, this one is yeah. still looking really dead. Yeah, that, the, that really didn't work like I thought it was going why, to. Why aren't they great? You put come the on, fertilizer in there. Change. <laughs> nope, not yeah. yet. Um, I wonder if maybe it takes a little time. Well, that's true. Like when I take cough medicine, my cough doesn't go away immediately. Right. It takes a while, it takes a little while to, for things to change, right? Right. It's and, not immediate. Yeah, and the, the same when we make choices and, and things during this time of Lent that we want to change, we want to renew, we want to grow. Maybe it just doesn't happen instantaneously. We need to give ourselves and others a little bit of grace and, and time. Patience for ourselves for as we're yeah. working on changing. Patience for each other yes. as they're changing. God's grace covering it all. Yeah, yep. that sounds good. So maybe next week when we come in, we can see uh, some of this growth and renewal yes, and change. I hope so. All right, so let's pray both for the growth of the plants and for ourselves. Dearest Lord, thank you so much for bringing us together for this opportunity during the time of Lent to think about, about you, the sacrifices that you made, that we're making toward each other, uh, the things that we're thinking about and working on as we work through all of these in our children's moments at home, with our families, and also with each other. Help us to have a little grace uh, to give ourselves that opportunity to change and grow and in others. And may we take this forward and move toward the beautiful Sunday that we have coming up to celebrate you and rebirth and renewal in Easter. And all God's children said, Amen. 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 After we have our baptism, any children that are here in the congregation can join us for Children's Church. If you're online, you can also join us via Zoom in Children's Church. But first we have a baptism. William, it's time. It's time. So we'll just have you right next to the font. And if you want to go on that side, that might be. Are you ready? Are you ready? You brought your, your grandparents, Bob and Sharon, and your Don and Allison. We're so glad that you all are here. And your godparents, Matt and Lauren. We're just excited to have you all here today. We've been practicing for this moment. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water in the Spirit. 
All this is God's gift offered to us without price. And this is William Rolfe Jones, who is being presented for baptism this day. And so to grandparents and parents and godparents, I ask you, on behalf of the whole church, do you reject the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression, whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? If so, say, I will. All right, let us, it's time, it's time for water, William K. as Pastor Bridie pours. Pour out your Holy Spirit, O God, to bless this gift of water and he who receives it, to wash away his sin and clothe him in righteousness throughout his life, that dying and being raised with Christ, he may share in his final victory. Amen. William Rolfe, I baptize you in the name of the Father. Yeah, it's wet, huh? And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit work within you that being born of water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. You get to be, there you go. You got to pick out the shell before I even asked. <laughs> uh, Mom and Dad can pick out a different one too if you'd like. Let us pray. Gracious God, we're grateful to you for for William and his parents and grandparents and godparents and all the friends who have gathered this day to celebrate his baptism and his birthday earlier this week. We pray that your spirit of wholeness and blessing be upon him as he receives your grace anew. All this we offer to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you welcome our newest baptized member? Who, who I dare say is the happiest person in this room. With Daniel running a close second. I'm just so, there we go. Will you now stand and greet one another in the name of Christ? May the peace of Christ be with you. to prayer. Let us pray. Loving God, we are grateful this morning for this journey that you have granted each of us. For none of us is it perfect. Each day can bring with it new difficulties, new problems to overcome, and new disappointments. Usually those disappointments are with ourselves. 
Help us to understand and to see that for every disappointment, there is a powerful, powerful opportunity for new emergence and rebirth, for new opportunities to become what we are becoming. Help us to see and to understand that we are loved by you as we are, not for who we might be one day, but for the person you have made us. And in that gift of love is so much potential. Help us to find our moments of happiness and joy and to turn to you and lean on you for strength and resilience. We pray this morning for peace in the world, for a change of hardened hearts and the violence that is inherent in man. We pray for Ukraine. We have no words for the devastation and loss of lives that has happened there. We pray for the safety of the people. We lift up their grief to you and we offer our own. And we pray for the day when men will make war no more. Help us to do what it is that we can do to, world, to build a world of peace and love where people are accepted, and individual sovereignty is respected, and nations do not turn on nations in the spirit of domination and violence. We do not understand. But we know that if we follow you and your son, we will find a new path. And for this, we are grateful. For the promise of the Christ, the promise of Jesus, is that we can live in this life and find love and possibility. And we can move towards an eternal understanding of who we are with you. And this is a gift and a promise which we hold to. This morning, we pray for all those who are ill in our community, who are suffering, who are uncertain, who are struggling economically, who are facing real difficulties. We pray for those who are sick and in need of healing and recovery. We continue to pray for Ruth and her recovery from surgery. We lift up Polly and her family and Kevin and his family on their recent losses. We offer these to you because we know that your presence can bring great healing. And now we take a moment for silent prayer to offer the prayers that are on our hearts and our minds. Gracious and loving God, you know who we are in the silent and most secret parts of ourselves. And you hear the cries in our heart and the joys that we keep to ourselves, and we are grateful. We are grateful this morning also for your son, Jesus Christ. Through him, all things are possible. All life is possible. And now we offer you the prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning again. My name is Pastor Brighty, and it's my pleasure to come to you today and share a few announcements about the things that are coming in our church and also to call you into action on our Call to Action Sunday. So I'm going to start with our announcements first. We have a couple of wonderful Sundays in front of us. Next Sunday is indeed Oscar Sundays. Anybody in this room watch the Oscars? A few probably. Come to church also. Two great events that day. I'll also be preaching. Extra bonus. So please come on over. You can still come, and we will have great parking. On April 3rd, we are going to have our blessing of the animals. So if you have an animal companion, if you're bringing a fish, please bring the bowl. Bring them here for the blessing, and we will pray over them. We know that they are important in your life. And on April 10th, we will celebrate Palm Sunday, and we're so excited because we are going to have an Easter egg hunt. So we hope that you will be here, you will join us. 
Um, we're so glad that you're part of this Lenten journey that we are on together, and we invite you to be with us as we celebrate the incredible news um, of Christ's resurrection when that day comes. So now I would like to invite you to join me in our Sunday call to action. Every third Sunday of the month here at Hollywood United Methodist Church, we want to invite you to put our faith into practice. And there's so much that we can be doing, so much in fact that I'm going to do a little extension and have another call to action for you next Sunday. Next week, I'll be bringing to you a few initiatives and petitions that you can sign on to help get affordable housing built for our unhoused neighbors here in Los Angeles, to expand wage protections for low-wage workers, um, and to protect the existing affordable housing that we have, all things that we know we desperately need. But I'll save that pitch for next week. Please come and bring your pin because you can only sign those petitions in person, and we'll be glad to have you. Today I want to talk to you, though, a little bit about what we have been seeing in the national news. I want to focus our time on two asks to stand in solidarity with our lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered, queer, and discerning brothers and sisters. Perhaps you have heard the stories of the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida. Have you all heard those stories and seen them? Or the anti-gender affirming health care bills that are popping up all over the place, including in one state where they are considering assigning prison time to parents who allow their transgender children to go through gender-affirming health care. Or in Iowa, a decision to not allow trans girls and women to engage in sports. Some of it feels confusing and far away. We are here in California, this bastion of openness. But some of it feels very close to home because many of us are not from California and we came from places where we were caused harm. So I thought that we would spend just a few minutes talking about it, but then also talk about what we can do. CNN, Giselle's wrote and published a good analysis. She said that a little more than two months into the new year, lawmakers in dozens of states have introduced a slew of bills that could limit the rights of LGBTQ Americans. As an experienced 25-year organizer, I'm telling you this is the swing back from success. I also tell you that the swing back never succeeds. So even though I'm about to give you some news which is alarming, we are on the trend to building the beloved community and this is a moment. We will overcome this, so please do not be overcome by this news. The proposals range from prohibiting instruction about gender identity in the classroom to restricting access to gender affirming health care and excluding transgender youth from school athletics. You can see on this chart by color coding the number of anti-LGBTQ bills introduced in each state. Gray is none, the lightest yellow color is one to two, and the darkest is 10 or more. I'm ashamed to say that my home state of Iowa is wearing that color, but I have faith that that will change because it also had gay marriage before California. So there is a chance that we will see different news in the future. On March 8th, the Florida Senate passed a controversial parental rights and education bill with a vote of 22 to 17. Also known as HB 1557, the bill would ban certain instruction of sexual orientation and gender identity in grades K through three, or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in other grades. This is the infamous bill that many have referred to as don't say gay, and decides that parents should be able to decide how folks are instructed about our community. These bills are harmful, they're destructive, they are not faithful, and I'm telling you as a pastor, they are anti-Christian. But do not be overwhelmed. In almost every place they have introduced these, there has been immediate and deep public resistance. We are on the side of love which is always the winning side. Here you see a picture of students in Tampa, Florida resisting. Across the state, students have walked out of class, staged large protests, and staged super savvy social media campaigns that I wish I could figure out how to do. They have made this national news and they are not afraid to speak truth to power and to demand a different future and they are not turning back. And we will not turn back as a people of faith either. Capital City Pride in Washington State decided to host a postcard campaign, a postcard writing campaign, to Governor DeSantis in defiance of the so-called Don't Say Gay bill. He's expected to sign it, but he hasn't signed it yet. So in this moment, I'm going to invite you today, you may have seen the table outside, you'll see it again when you go outside, to stop and take a few minutes before you go to your car and to write your own postcard to Governor DeSantis. 
to share what we know to be true in a form of true prophetic witness, that all people are made in God's image, that lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and other folks are precious and sacred, and that our faith does not allow us to remain silent when they are being harmed. So I'm gonna invite you to participate in two actions. The first is to write the postcard. You pass the table in the narthex. I encourage you to use those colorful markers and all those stickers I had to walk to the drugstore to buy. I don't want a single sticker to be left. We're gonna collect all of these postcards together in Harmony Toluca Lake. Our sister campus is also doing this. And we're gonna collect them and send them to Governor DeSantis. So don't take it with you, leave it behind. But the other thing I'm gonna do is make copies of them because the governor doesn't just need to know how we feel. All these young people who are standing up in resistance need to know that they have solidarity. So we're gonna take copies of those and we're gonna send those to a couple of the student groups so that they know all the way here in California, they are being loved and they are being held up. Um, and we have some suggested messages for you. This is one that I wrote, but you can write whatever is on your heart. As a person of faith, I stand in support with my LGBTQ brothers and sisters. They are a part of God's family, a vital part of our community, and cannot be erased from our culture. Denying their stories harms children and contributes to unsafe spaces for LGBTQ plus people and creates harm. All families are beautiful and they should be celebrated. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? I want Governor DeSantis to hear that. We also have a couple other wonderful things you could write, but you could also write what's on your heart. I just wanted to make sure that if you needed something, it's there. It's us bearing witness together to the beauty of God's family. The second thing that I wanna offer you is really important, especially for our friends who are worshiping with us online. We have an online opportunity. Many of the bills that are popping up are bills targeting transgendered people, but particularly sadly and horrifically transgender children. So I want to affirm for you what we know to be true here in our church and as people of faith, that trans lives are sacred lives. God loves you, your church loves you, and we will not be silent in the face of abuse. So you can do this really easy ask that was shared with us by the LA LGBT Center click on it and we will have the opportunity to send a letter to legislators in Alabama where our help is urgently needed to protect essential health care for trans and gender nonconforming youth in Alabama. State legislators are currently deliberating on a bill that would make it a felony punishable up to 10 years in prison for a doctor to prescribe gender affirming care to people 18 years or younger in Alabama. Banning gender-affirming care is extremely harmful to trans youth and their mental health. Research demonstrates that gender-affirming care, medical and psychosocial health care design to affirm gender identities greatly improves the mental health and overall well-being of transgender and non-binary children and adolescents. And we want to generate as many letters as possible to the legislators in Alabama to let them know how people of faith feel. It comes with a um, letter already written, so you can just click and send. But as a pastor and a person of faith, I felt the need to drop in a few choice morsels about my own feelings about this legislation, including that I felt like it was anti-Christian and undermines the kind of beloved community that we are choosing to build. So use your own voice. So that's it, it's heavy, but it is something that we will continue to raise our voice about. And this is the struggling cry of people trying to hold on to power over something they're losing power over, right? Which is the affirmation and celebration of all people. They may be afraid. So we will invite them into a work of building the beloved community and changing their mind with these two simple asks that carry deep meaning. We are called by Christ to be a witness to the prophetic change that he has brought to the world. A change that recognizes that all people are welcome at the table, all people are made in God's image, and each and every person, trans, gay, lesbian, bisexual, queer, straight, and more, are an essential part of God's loving creation. We will continue to move in all the ways we can as a faith community to ensure that that message is heard by both those who need to know that they are welcome and that they are loved, and by those who need to learn how to welcome. So we will do that work together. Let us pray. 
Dear God, I ask you to pour your spirit over us and embolden us to raise our voices and call for justice in your world, to stand with those who others would seek to diminish and to celebrate all life. And we pray that you will change the hearts of those who continue to push this regressive kind of legislation, which accomplishes nothing for building community but only causes harm. We take great comfort in knowing that Christ is the liberator, that you who love us and walk with us assure us that no one can do us greater harm. And we pray that those hearts will change as our community is changing. We are on the tide toward the kingdom and we are grateful that you are walking with us. In your name we pray, amen. Before I read the scripture lesson this morning, I want to share with you, uh, many of you know that I'm vice moderator for the World Council of Churches, which has uh, 350 different denominations all over the world, uh, Orthodox and Reformed and Protestant and Evangelical and Pentecostal and uh, a whole a variety of people in places from all the regions of the world. And yesterday, we received a letter from the First Lady of Ukraine. Olena Zelenska addressed the World Council of Churches yesterday with her request that we become a mediator in the organization of humanitarian corridors and that we help Ukrainians fleeing the war. I want to read to you a little from her letter. She said, I appeal to you as an organization called to preach peace and fraternity to be the voice of those who suffer from war today. 
communicate to the members of the World Council of Churches the importance of professing justice and peace on our land based in faith on God. I ask you and the members of the World Council of Churches to convey your voice condemning the war and calling for the protection of the civilian population. It's really amazing that she wrote this letter because since the beginning of the war, she has been working on the humanitarian support for Ukrainians. And in particular, she has actively cooperated with the international organizations, the first ladies of other countries to resolve humanitarian crisis in Ukraine. And now she's focused on providing the necessary assistance to children and mothers and saving their lives. That is why Olena Zelenska appealed to the World Council of Churches to help Ukraine. And we can, we can offer our financial support too as a congregation when we send money to UMCOR and market for the advanced special that helps Ukraine. I just wanted to share that with you today. Now, hear this reading from the Gospel of Luke in the chapter 13, the first nine verses. At the very time that there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices, he asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I will tell you this, unless you repent, you will all perish as they did or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. And then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it, and he found none. So he said to the gardener, for see, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I can dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. This is a word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. morning with our Lenten sermon series, Good Enough, Embracing the Imperfections of Life and Faith. We are in a Lent of affirming a faith in which we are blessed regardless and where we can lean into embracing our good enough lives. Our readings from the gospel this season remind us that the Christ lives and moves among us even during the most trying of situations, personal, professional, and political. And yet even now, even today, God is here, and somehow, that's good enough. Today's passage from Luke's gospel does remind us of God's presence, but it also offers us what I like to call a whiplash teaching of Jesus, of which there are more and more the closer we get to Calvary. Jesus is asked by some in the crowd, likely critics, about theodicy, or why does evil exist in the world? 
And he responds with a story about a fig tree. Wait, what? So let's look at the context. Jesus has been teaching and healing, and he's setting his sights on Jerusalem. Meantime, some people come to Jesus with horrid news of both human-created and natural disasters. Pontius Pilate has killed a group of Galilean Jews in their place of worship, which we would consider human evil. The Tower of Siloam has collapsed, killing 18 people, what we might refer to as a natural disaster. And the people are asking why. Why did these terrible things happen? What did they do to deserve that? Now, the people who are saying these things, they think they know the answer. They think that bad things happen to bad people and that these people who perished certainly deserve to die. And they're just looking to Jesus to validate their own opinions. But no, not our Jesus. He responds by saying, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. In just a few words, Jesus undoes long-held beliefs of cause and effect regarding human suffering and death in this life, notions that were very commonplace in his day. Now, we know even today it's very it's human nature to try and make sense of bad or difficult things that happen. So we've developed several phrases to explain it away. For example, everything happens for a reason. Or, it must have been their time. Or it was part of the plan. It was meant to be. Or the biggie, it must have been God's will. Well, Jesus completely rejects these attempts to explain why bad things happen because they're half-truths. They're not all their truth. But instead, Jesus pivots the conversation to another focus. He pivots to our own need to change to do things differently, or to use a verb that's commonly used during Lent, to repent. Jesus is saying, yes, bad, awful, horrible things happened in those incidents that you cited, but it's not because they were bad people. Remember, the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. But he says the same terrible things are gonna happen to you unless you change course and you follow a different direction. And then Jesus goes into the parable about the fig tree, something the people gathered would have been familiar with. Fig trees reap a harvest once or twice a year. In other words, they bear a lot of fruit, except the one Jesus talked about, which didn't. Its owner wanted it to be cut down because it wasn't productive. But the gardener interceded saying, give me a little bit more time. Let me try some new things. Let me change the way we're caring for it hoping that it will flourish and bear fruit. Now, I don't have fig trees. I do have rose bushes for that my husband planted for me when we bought our house in 1997. He cared for them. And that, there we go. He cared for them. He pruned them. He fed them. My guess is he probably talked to them too because he liked to talk. Now, for the past seven and a half years, it's been up to me to take care of them. So by last summer, that means they were pretty pitiful. I might remember to water them a few times a week. So I didn't want to lose them entirely. So I found a guy in my neighborhood to put in a sprinkler system with a timer. And lo and behold, roses really love water. What do you know? <laughs> you know, it's, it's just that kind of a thing. And they're all thriving except for this one. And I don't know if you can really see it that well, but you've got the big brush there. And then you've got... It's just, it's just pitiful right there, the little branch with the dried up leaves. That was one of the very first ones that Renee planted. So of course, my guilt at not watering them more is through the roof, but that's another sermon for another day. So when I asked my gardener what we could do and if it would come back 
you know, it's like he knew I was preaching on this this week. He said, I had to change the way I was taking care of it. I needed to put a different kind of food on it to make sure it's getting even more water a few times a week. And then I needed to have patience because we'll know in due time if in fact these changes will allow it to flourish and grow. Because that is the message of the fig tree. The owner had to change his mind about cutting it down. The gardener had to change his mind about what he, change the way rather he was tending to the tree. He needed to change the fertilizer and tend to the tree with love and with patience. And then if the conditions were right, the tree would also change and it would bear fruit. Mia McLean wrote this week that the gardener's adamant plea to change course for one more shot at bearing fruit could be what Jesus would like to see from the crowd. Jesus is not reprimanding them. He's not inciting fear, but his repetitive charge to repent or perish is an act of mercy in a precarious imperial world where compassion is hard to come by. Calling for repentance is not about condemnation, but about change, change for the sake of life. The great Octavia Butler in Parable of the Sower wrote that all that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. So family, let me offer three possibilities for change this Lent. The first comes from Dr. Marcia McPhee, who created the series about this passage. She wrote, lying fallow and getting fertilized with laughter and tears at the crappy stuff of life can help heal what ails us. And all that is sometimes productive enough. Too often this parable is seen as a paragon of productivity. If you're not continually bearing fruit, then you aren't worthy of, and you can fill in the blank, you're not worthy of love, you're not worthy of grace, you're not worthy of forgiveness, whatever. But that's not what it's about at its heart. It's really about recognizing our need deep within us to follow Jesus ever more closely and changing that which is preventing us from doing so. Sometimes that means we just need to lay fallow for a while, be silent, lie down, take a walk, take a nap, and allow ourselves to simply rest in God's presence and say this, this is good enough. Because only when we take time with God will we be able to identify those areas of life that need to change so that we can deepen our journey of faith. Second, we need to claim the promise of Jesus that God does not give up on us, ever. God is not like the owner of the fig tree ready to cut it down if it's not living up to its potential. The whole reason Jesus came to earth and was willing to die was to show us how much God loves us. We are good enough because we are God's beloved, each of us, fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. Now, can we all do a little better? Is there something in our lives that we should change so we can fully embrace that life that God offers to us? Of course. But we do so knowing that God loves us just as we are, unconditionally. And finally, we need to see the fig tree as the living incarnation of the possibility that is inherent in repentance. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia, meaning to change one's mind or purpose, to amend, to change course for the better. It's an active verb, one that invites us to make changes in our lives that will bring forth fruit for ourselves, for the beloved community, and for the world. Repentance takes us beyond asking why things happen to the realization that we can help prevent them from happening again in the future. Debbie Thomas wrote this week that why is just not a life-giving question. Why hasn't the fig tree produced fruit yet? Here's the manure and here's a spade, get to work. Why do terrible, painful, completely unfair things happen in this world? Hmm. Go weep with someone who's weeping. 
Go fight for the justice you long to see. Go confront evil where it needs confronting. Go learn the art of patient, hope-filled tending. Go cultivate beautiful things. Go look your own sin in the eye and repent of it while you can. Ask a better question. Live a better answer. Time is running short. The season to bear fruit has come. Repent. Do it now. And that, my friends, is Gardening 101. And it's good enough. Amen.
faithfulness is sure. Let us now go forth and tend our own gardens, knowing how to plant and how to prune and how to have patience. Go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.